Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 53 of the Fly Route Podcast. I am your host, Anthony, a.k.a. Tony Playboy, a.k.a. the Hot Chub Time Machine, a.k.a. the Minnesota Massacre, and I am joined here by a special guest. I am joined here by Sam. You got any AKAs for yourself? What up? It's Sam, a.k.a. I Ain't Your Cousin, a.k.a. Lakers and Four. Those are my AKAs. <laughs> Look, put it out there. Put the energy there now. We have an exciting show for you today. We are going to get into the drama surrounding Ben Simmons and the Philadelphia 76ers now that he said he will not report to training camp or play for them again. We are going to talk about sneakers. Is it a social scam? And what tips and tricks do you need so you can hit more often? I am going to give you my five five picks for the week going into week three of the NFL season. And last, but definitely not least, I'm going to give a big, big, big baller's bouquet to Akeem Hicks of the Chicago Bears. Welcome to the tee off. Oh, 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 spill that tea, sis. This is how I like to start the show off. I like to spill some tea on our favorite athletes and some of the crazy situations they get themselves into. And today we got to talk about Ben Simmons and the Philadelphia 76ers. It is Woj certified. So that's how you know it's real. Ben Simmons says he will not show up to training camp. He will not play another game for the 76ers. And he is willing to sit out, take the fines and everything else that comes with that now. Man, man, Sam, what are you, what are you thinking about this whole Ben Simmons situation? So I was listening to Woj a little bit earlier on the jump, and I think what's most interesting about the Ben Simmons situation is the question of who has the leverage, because they have Ben Simmons on contract for four years. He's not going to be able to sit for four years. But on the other hand, they're not going to be able to just exist with that hole in their franchise for the next four years especially with Joel Embiid in his prime, they're in win now mode, which I think is the most important thing for a lot of like the proposed trade packages that are, that are being tossed out there on Twitter and everything else. The Sixers are not in a rebuilding situation. They're in a position where they want to improve their team. And they have Ben Simmons, who is a star, not a superstar, who's willing to sit out for now and the immediate future when we don't really know for how long so really the question is to me can ben simmons afford the financial pressure of fines and everything else accumulating from from sitting out or can philly uh afford the pressure of questions every day by the media especially if the team starts out a little bit slow there's going to be immediate calls to move ben and kind of cut their losses I think Philly thinks they can still get a superstar, star-level player for Ben Simmons, and I'm really interested as to what you think the market is for Ben Simmons and the type of player they could get back, especially with us seeing him last perform being pretty, probably like the worst moment of his career. So I don't know what exactly his trade value is now. I'm interested to see what you think. So I think the market for Ben Simmons is definitely really interesting. When people talk about the leverage, they're like, once Ben goes public, says he's going to sit out and decide that he's not going to play anymore, all the leverage kind of flips to Ben. It hurts his trade value and it makes things really difficult for the 76ers. But I honestly just don't see it that way. In fact, I think that because people know he has to be moved, all the first offers are definitely going to be low ball offers. But eventually you're going to get a bidding war. Like the tail end is going to get a bidding war involved and bigger pieces are going to start getting moved. I feel like Philly A is has a good enough roster that they should not struggle to start the season without Ben Simmons, like Danny Green, Tobias Harris, obviously Joel Embiid, and like whoever they're going to play at the one when they don't have Ben, maybe we'll see a little bit more Matisse Thibault or Shake Milton, et cetera. But like they just have a lot of pieces that they should be fine. And they just got to be patient. 
Ben can decide not to show up. Maybe Ben will take the fines, but you just got to wait it out because things will only get better as the season goes on. And speaking of packages for Ben Simmons, like the thing that I was really, really on my mind here, were like the two packages that people were talking about all day, especially today, were first the Timberwolves package, where obviously people were saying that the Timberwolves were not trying to offer any of their all-star caliber players and somehow still garner Ben Simmons. I heard that report this morning, right? They were like, no, we're not going to try to offer Anthony Edwards, D'Lo, or Cat. We are going to just, I don't know what other amalgamation of pieces or maybe like how many millions of picks they think that they can give to make that work. But the craziest thing was like an hour, two hours after that report, (laughs) <laughs> the GM and the the president of basketball operations is fired now. Yeah, that is a uh, an interesting set of events. First of all, with the with the trade rumors, I I just I don't know what you could possibly offer Philly that isn't the three of those players you named and land Ben Simmons. Um, so I don't really get the initial report, but the second report is super interesting, and I'm interested to hear what you think that means for the overall likelihood of a trade there, or if it has anything to do with the Ben Simmons trade, I, I I really don't know. Okay. So where I'm at with this is what if Minnesota is sitting there with a bird's eye view, right? The cat bird seat to the Ben Simmons trade, because no one else is really trying to give enough up. And they're really just sitting there and not taking the trade because they don't want to give up D'Lo. And look, new ownership is like, wait, he did what? Get that guy out of here. Get a new guy in here. Get someone that's actually going to make the deal happen. This is like very similar to, uh, you remember right before Anthony Davis got traded, the old GM is like, we're not going to trade him for any of this stuff. Immediately gets fired. New GM comes in and makes the exact trade that the old GM was not going to make, right? Like, yeah, I, I think of it very similar to that. Like the those type of reports, who puts out that report and why? Right. Like, why is someone wanting to leak the information that Minnesota is refusing to offer any of their actual good players, like great players in exchange for another possibly great player? Now, the second one, Portland apparently still pushing CJ McCullum, Covington and picks like, oh, uh, I OK. Do you think there is a possibility that Daryl Morey just eventually says, all right, not going to get Dame-level talent. I will take C.J. Rocco and picks. I think that unless Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal demands a trade, there is not a superstar in the market to be traded for Ben Simmons right now. And honestly, uh, McCollum, Covington, and picks – might end up being the best package that you get. Like they, we've already seen them turn down a package from Indiana centered around Malcolm Brogdon. I like so, that deal. Not a lot. I do too. I do better too. than the Timberwolves deal. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. And it's it's interesting because with the Brogdon deal, you don't have the question of who's running point guard for Philly. And they turn that down. And then if they take a, a deal with CJ and Covington, it's still kind of, I guess like Tyrese Maxey or, or Shake or someone becomes a point guard in that world. But it is interesting that you turn down a deal where the position would be immediately filled to kind of wake, wait on the market to get better. Uh, he then decides that he isn't showing up for training camp or anything else. So like, how much better than Malcolm Brogdon can the market get given the events that have occurred? I don't really know. Um, I think like the best they're going to get absent coming to a resolution and Ben coming out and playing well and kind of proving his trade value is like uh, Malcolm Brogdon, CJ McCollum, Colin Sexton level player. that is not a certified all-star, but could potentially be. And I mean, it's not really a question of how big the name is. The question is, does it make Philly as a team better? Can Joel oh. Tobias and this third piece be better than Joel Tobias, Ben Simmons, and the stuff they have? So I think they have, like, Daryl Morey has to sit down and think about that. Not just like the, the magnitude of the name, but like on, 
not only on paper, but on the court, is your team better uh, with Ben Simmons or with this other piece? But the calculus isn't that simple because Ben Simmons says he isn't coming back. So it's not really Ben Simmons versus this other thing. It's like no one versus this other thing uh, as long as he holds out. So I wouldn't want to have to make this decision. Like I, But Daryl Morey's shown he can make something shake. So I'm really interested to see how it plays out. First, I legitimately believe CJ can be a one in the league. Like, it's weird because they're in Portland playing like a combo guard system that like we've seen people do, and it sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But like CJ legitimately has playmaking point guard in the NBA capabilities. He shines it whenever Dame's down on the floor or like those periods where Dame is hurt. He will play the one. It's not like if CJ went to philly and he was playing the one like it wouldn't make sense he he will shoot he will distribute he will space the floor like it i'm not against it, it it's interesting to me that right now people are kind of panicking and i don't think there's any panic in philly right now like i think they're willing to wait they're never gonna wait a whole season definitely but like they'll wait to the trade deadline if they have to they'll wait for some other team that made some moves that they that the team thought was good and it's really not to like have things implode a little bit and they're like well okay maybe uh we got to make some moves and ben simmons is over there right maybe the portland trailblazers are really bad <laughs> and Dame is like all right you might have to get me up out of here like the chances of something odd like that happening, you got to sit tight if you're Philly. You got to. I tight. agree, and we've seen it play out with so many other teams where it looks like a dire situation in New Orleans with Anthony Davis. They immediately get Zion. Brandon Ingram becomes an All Star. They bounce back. It looks like a dire situation in OKC when they trade Russ and Paul George, and they immediately get Shea. Um, and like a million picks. Okay, uh, and, and OKC Chris is still in a dire, dire situation. OKC is suffering. Yeah, Chris but like Paul's at least they're not so. the Kings, and like at least they're not the Magic. <laughs> like What's you have difference? all these big contracts, like Markel Fultz on seventy million, Jonathan Isaac on a ton of money. Don't know when he's going to play again. I would rather be OKC than a couple of other teams as far as like running the team and management goes okay i mean the the a million picks in the future always is, is definitely helpful uh i'm with you so the last thing i want to talk about is like doc rivers who today went on the basically entire espn media tour like he was on first take he was on Stephen a's world he was on kjm now uh and like he is doing everything he can to set the record straight on ben simmons he's saying that he never said that he didn't know if ben simmons could be a championship point guard in this league he he implored people to literally go back and roll the tape that is how strong he was capping on every show that would listen on espn this morning and i was kind of shocked like is there any chance that all of this backtracking kissing ben's ass a little bit saying like all the nice things does anything to shift or change ben simmons position i don't think so i think that like the report is he hasn't talked to the team in a month like he seems like all all we're hearing is like he's ready to go and he's played his last game in philly and all the reports are that like the guy's kind of sensitive when it comes to the way the fans talk about him, the way that the teammates and coaches talk about him. And like, you can do all the backtracking and like recontextualization you want, but like Joel and doc after their loss, both threw him under the bus and they're burning his Jersey outside the stadium. Oh, like man. someone sensitive to criticism is not going to want to show their face back in that situation. I, I like Philly fans are passionate, but like they're rough on their players. Like there are a couple of organizations that is just like you get, you can get it worse at home 
like being booed than you would on the road. And like, I think that's going to be the case for Ben Simmons if he plays there again. So I, I just don't, he's not the type of guy that I think is going to embrace that type of villain role. And especially like Embiid was tweeting a few weeks ago that like what makes him great and what makes him love Philly is that like he's been criticized, called everything negative by the media, but like persevered through it and had an MVP uh, contending running up season. Um, He also mentioned in those tweets that like he loves playing with Ben, but like even in that, there was still some shade in that like he seems to be saying Ben is not that type of player to embrace the, the negativity of the media and the criticism and everything and like turn it into uh, fuel to motivate him. I don't know. Ben in a smaller market, I think will thrive because I think the fans will be less hard on him. Like he's a 25 year old, multiple time all-star defensive player of the year runner up. Like, yeah. A bunch of fan bases would love to like build around that and embrace that. Like, I don't think we've seen the best of Ben Simmons or the the last of Ben Simmons being elite. I just think his time in Philly's probably run its course. Okay, I'm with you. I'm just gonna say like a lot of small markets would love to have Ben Simmons, and eventually a lot of small markets will get fed up with Ben Simmons if he keeps not shooting. Like. It is it is like fresh fresh location, definitely a major plus for him. I think definitely think it can do him a lot of good, but I don't think it's gonna solve all of the Ben Simmons problems. But that was your tee off. Oh, 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 spread that tea, sis. Spread that tea, sis. Y'all is Tony Playboy. All right, all right. Let's talk sneakers today. This app quickly became a staple in sneaker culture, revolutionized the days where we remember people getting stomped to death outside of the mall for a mad rush for the latest Jordan drop. Sneakers culture is so tied to basketball, football culture. Ever since Jordan revolutionized the game and star NBA players are basically now christened with shoe contracts, right? LeBron signed 70, 90 with Nike before he ever played a game in the NBA. Zion signed seven for 75 with Jordan brand. Even KD back in 2007 signed seven for 60 mil. And even now into the NBA, we start seeing people trying to bring back the signature shoe for a star player when Patrick Mahomes has just dropped his first signature shoe at Adidas. And I am joined here by a great friend of mine. I go way back with him, Sam who is very deep on sneakerhead culture, has done some reselling, is interested in doing a lot of things like that. And he is here to enlighten us, share some of his knowledge with all of us. Introduce yourself, Sam. Let people know a little bit more about you and your kind of connection to the topic. Yeah. So like Anthony said, my name is Sam. Uh, I'm from Louisiana. And uh, like he mentioned, I am a a sneakerhead, and I would say I'm more into collecting than reselling. I definitely do some reselling, especially more in the pandemic, just trying to think of ways to make extra money on the side. But uh, I will have to say, I would have to say that, like, right now, in terms of buying sneakers, it's probably the worst possible time that anyone. (laughs) <laughs> could what be wanting to buy sneakers and you're right that sneakers app and you know it things like adidas confirmed app for for buying for adidas and online raffling has kind of become the new norm uh for acquiring sneakers like you said you don't really have people like waiting outside Foot Locker at the mall at like five and 6 a.m. anymore. It still happens for like limited releases that happen in store. But for the most part, the evolution of social media and just the internet in general has people purchasing shoes online more than ever. And the way that Nike operates and the way that Sneakers app operates is through essentially an online raffle system where if you want a certain shoe, you enter on the app. Usually it, it always happens at 9 a.m. Central Time. If you live on the West Coast, you have to get up at 7 a.m. for Nike releases. If you live in New York or on the East Coast, you get it at 10 a.m. It used to be just like a Saturday thing, but now there are releases kind of more randomly throughout the week. 
the kind of current status of the market is that Nike is keeping everything super limited, um, especially more hype sneakers like rare collaborations or even like uh, like original sort of OG versions of Jordans, like the original sort of colorways of Jordans. They keep those type, type of things super limited. So winning on the sneakers app today is harder than it's ever been because there's a bigger market, bigger demand for sneakers than there ever has been. That's because of social media, sports, music, hip hop, a bunch of different things have made sneaker culture like one of the one of the biggest growing markets like sneaker reselling it's actually one of the biggest growing markets right now but that means the demand is super high supply is still super limited and there are people that are getting around the system in various ways using things like bots or connections to people that maybe work for a shoe store work for nike that we're definitely going to get into but right let me, now let me let me let me get you real quick because you talked about bots and i feel like this is a really 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 silly in conversation for people who are a little bit more casual into this exactly how bad are the bots on an app like sneakers so it's really bad because essentially the way it works is they're constantly kind of updating the security of the app to to uh try to combat the the bots that exist now but people are always developing new things, new software, and I'm by no means a tech person. So the way that they make them and everything like that is definitely technical expertise that's beyond me. But I do watch a lot of sneaker YouTube stuff, and I see people successfully using bots, especially for online releases for places like Stadium Goods or the union store nike sneakers app is actually like i think relatively decent at filtering out bots and not getting everything taken but for example like uh there's a, a super limited sneaker release that just happened super hype the travis scott fragment jordan one they made a high top and a low top and the travis scott website released a lot of the high tops and then the sneakers app released the low tops. And I think the Travis Scott website was way more sus susceptible to getting botted. So people oh. were getting like 80 and 90 pairs of the shoe. Whereas the release on the sneakers app, I think was a little bit more egalitarian or whatever. Like people had more of a legitimate opportunity. So I like the sneaker bot, Thing is a real problem because you have people getting like a hundred pairs of a shoe and you know there are people that just want one pair to actually wear it um and there are people you know uh mm -hmm. taking all the shoes and then the resale market just blows up because it's super limited so you have people that just like want a pair of these shoes to wear them but don't want to spend 500 600 to get them they want to get them for retail but can't because people are botting these sneaker releases and they're able to get like, you know, sometimes it's like two pairs, three pairs, but I've seen it be up to like 80 and 90 pairs, especially of this like new Travis Scott Jordan. I think it was especially bad on, on Travis Scott's website. So it's really bad. Like it just makes, if you want to buy sneakers just to own them, it makes it really difficult because you really got to then know if you're not using a bot, you got to know someone who is willing to sell you the sneaker for less than they could make just selling it to a random person on eBay or something like that. And okay. you got to work to make that connection. That makes sense. So what about the average person who's like not having, doesn't have a bot, doesn't know somebody whose mom may be high up at Nike and is using all her shit to build an empire of selling shoes. Like what do you, what do you tell like the average person? Like what are your, main tips or tricks to hit more often on the sneakers app so there are a couple of different schools of thought a bunch of good sneaker youtubers that have made content about this so if you want to to look into more of that kais omar q-i-a-s omar o-m-a-r he's a, a sneaker youtuber who's made a bunch of content about just using the sneakers app so i think if you look up 
his name and sneakers app, you can find a lot of the stuff that I've watched. But uh, to just like briefly break it down, essentially the theory is that the more you use the sneakers app in your daily life and just look at the content, like let me just pull it up real quick to give an example. Nike will put up a bunch of stuff like little videos you can watch similar to like an Instagram story or a reel or something like that. So you'll see that like there's this thing called the story of the dunk and you, you just go to the homepage and click it. And there's this like kind of video. And so I let, I click on this stuff and just set my phone down and let it play through. I put it on like the lowest volume and we'll just put my phone down and let the sneakers stuff play through. And especially if I'm trying to hit on something, like I know something's coming out uh, this week. Um, it tells you like when stuff is coming out. So you can set an alert on your phone on the app and it'll let you know. But especially if you know you're going to use the app that week, I think using it for like 20 to 30 minutes a day, um, just having some of that stuff running on your phone going through liking certain shoes because you'll see on like the upcoming releases tab you can go in and kind of like add it to your favorites just interacting more with the app because essentially it, it operates on an algorithm they're trying to get you not only into buying sneakers but into using the nike product as a whole they're trying to get you addicted to kind of just consuming everything nike so interacting with the app a ton is one good way um, of increasing your chances and one thing i've heard kind of mixed reviews on but um is like maybe worked in my experience you know not a huge sample size but making a new account every now and then because there's a theory that they will give you an early win on sneakers app to kind of get you coming back and the third thing you can do is just have multiple devices enter on your phone on your computer you have a roommate, use their phone, their computer, as many devices as you can use, but you need, for each device, you need a different payment method to make sure Nike isn't filtering you out as a bot. If you're using the same credit card from like multiple different devices, they're actively trying to filter out bots from doing that. So you, for example, if you have a credit card, a debit card, and PayPal, you would want to use those three different payment methods on your three different devices. And those are just kind of three ways that you can increase your chances. There's no magical sort of uh, algorithm or spell that you can do to make your to, to make it hit on sneakers app, but there are things you can do to maybe increase your likelihood a little bit. Um, and you gotta just have some luck. You're like you, you hit on random stuff from my experience, you hit on what you don't want and you can resell it, but anything you want personally, um you're not going to hit on so just think to yourself you're going to resell anything and maybe that will work um i've never hit on sneakers app on anything i wanted personally but i have hit on stuff that that resold decently so i mean it is worthwhile and i'm going to keep using it one of my final questions here for you let's eliminate pj tucker who has the best shoe game in the nba that's tough. Um, right now, I think Devin Booker has a good argument. He has a lot of Kobe exclusives um, that a lot of people don't have access to just from um, his deal and knowing Kobe personally. Um, someone that also has a really good shoe game, Amon Shumpert. His, oh. his shoe collection is pretty solid. Um and retired player, not active, but his shoe game is always fire. Steven Jackson, um, shout out to all the smoke. He still has his Jordan deal, and they still send him stuff. So Steven Jackson's always wearing something fire. Okay, last question on this is, who has the ugliest signature shoe collection? Uh, I hate to say this, but Steph. Like, Under Armour just isn't it. Ooh, okay. I was going to say Donovan Mitchell. The Donovan Mitchell Adidas are ugly. That's a fact. That's ugly. a fact. Ugly. The Dons. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, Jason Tatum dropped a signature like Jordan, like 27, or like what one of those really high numbers that no one wears that was like <laughs> ridiculous. 
a couple of months ago. Like one of the ugliest things I've ever seen. So <laughs> I would say Steph, but he probably got the bag from Under Armour because I have no idea another basketball player that has a signature shoe for Under Armour. So Whoa. it was probably a good financial decision. But uh, yeah, I think those do not move off the shelves very, very quick. What's up, what's up, play boy? All right, the NFL is back, and so is my bookie. My bookie has live in-game betting on every NFL game and prop bets, such as the over/under for your favorite fantasy team. Make sure to check out the My Bookie Super Contest. It costs ten bucks to enter, and you get to pick five games against the spread. For each game you get right, you get closer to the grand prize. Use promo code Fly and receive a hundred percent match on your first deposit up to $1,000. Make it a winning season with my bookie. Now, look, I'm going to bring in Sam again. Yo, we are here again. Week three of the five fly picks. The picks have not been very fly so far. I went one in four last week. It was tough, but, but it was close. I mean, we lost out on the... Arizona Cardinals over the Vikings by three and a half. They only won by three. I, I took I took the Falcons with the spread last week, and they were going to cover, and then they threw two straight pick sixes to the same guy. Like things things are always very unpredictable. But this week I'm running back through, and this week is going to be better. I got a feeling about it. So the first game I want to talk about is the Seahawks versus the Vikings. The Seahawks are favored by 1.5 points at 110 odds. And I am going to take that line. The Seahawks are a top 10 offense when it comes to points per game this year so far. And Minnesota is at the bottom six for points allowed a game. So Seattle being a team that's defense is right now right in the middle. I think Seattle is going to be able to score big and score a lot on this Vikings defense. They have not been able to stop a nosebleed all year long, especially after losing to the Bengals week one that got absolutely demolished by the Bears defense. I don't think this game is going to be particularly close. I think Russell Wilson is going to eat a lot and he is going to be able to cover one and a half points, which I think is crazy crazy good for the seahawks got any thoughts yeah i'm honestly surprised it's one and a half like on the one hand the vikings starting oh and three i guess would not be something that would have been expected but seattle starting one two is something that i don't think is expected either and like you said that vikings defense looks bad like they will score points they have a lot of weapons on offense but like they have 27 to the Bengals like I don't know yeah I'm with you I'm with you the second game I got going on is Packers versus the 49ers I thought this one was really interesting the spread right now is three and a half favoring the 49ers I got Green Bay plus three and a half at negative 115 odds and I like this here. Three and a half is the shark that I got caught with last week. I will not get caught by it again this week. Look, Green Bay loses this game, but by a field goal, they're not going to get embarrassed two out of three weeks uh, to start the season. The Niners run game is really beat up and Green Bay is humming when, especially in the run game, we saw Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon get a lot, a lot of work and, do quite well this week. Uh, granted, it was against the Lions, but but the Lions also played the 49ers quite close in week one. I'm pretty confident in this one. Green Bay plus three and a half. Yeah, I'd smash that. Um, like you said, it is the Lions, but Green Bay just looked like they were back to like having that potent offense last week. Week one is like an extension of the preseason. The Saints defense also just played amazing. They could never get going. So, yeah, I think I have more faith in the Packers. I think they could even win the game, but I think they'll at least cover the spread. I agree. I would not be shocked if the Packers went into San Francisco and won that game. I would not be shocked. So, like, I really don't mind that one at all. The next game I have is the Chargers versus Kansas City, and the spread is 
six and a half. So Kansas City at minus six and a half at minus 110 odds. And I am taking this. I am taking this and I am starting to slightly believe that the Chargers are overrated. They might have been the most overrated team going into this season. Justin Herbert is as advertised, but this team might not be. The Chargers are top 10 in defense when it comes to points allowed a game so far. And they made Dallas's firepower look small last week, winning a really low scoring game, 20 to 17. That was another one that I missed out on. And here's the rub. The Chargers, however, are also 27 per game on putting up points. They played a terrible Dallas defense last week that we saw get torched by the Bucks. Somehow could not score. They played a Washington football team defense that we hailed coming into the season and thought were going to be extremely good. But then they gave up 29 to the Giants of all teams last week. They obviously played the Chargers week one, and they actually played the Chargers quite close. The Chargers barely won that game. I think Kansas City in a blowout. Kansas City covers the six and a half spread. I just don't think the Chargers have shown the propensity to really put up points like that. And Casey's defense is not good, but the Chargers run game is not crazy. Most of their work is done in the passing game with Austin Eckler being kind of a split back. I like this one. I also think that the over on 55 and a half is a trap in this game. Let's move on down to the next game, which is this New Orleans Saints versus New New England Patriots. The spread is negative three at plus 100 odds for the Patriots, covering by three points. Winning that game by three, it was uh, two and a half at uh, minus 120 before. And I actually really, really, really like this game. I was low on the Saints coming into the season. I said they weren't going to make the playoffs. I said they were going to be kind of bad. That week one surprise shocked a lot of people. But here is the rub. The New England Patriots are the league's second best defense when it comes to opponents' points per game. They are the number three team in the league when it comes to takeaways. That's like fumbles, interceptions, et cetera. And I think that they won't put up a lot of points, right? But they are going to give the Saints hell coming into Foxborough. Take, and we all know Bill Belichick takes away the, best, the thing you do best. The Saints are really one-dimensional right now. They're like, can we get Alvin Kamara going? If the answer is no, we have no offense. If, and we kind of saw that last week. So I'm, I'm of the mind Patriots would definitely cover the three points here. They win this game easy. This is, might actually be my safest bet of the week. I don't know. I'm going to have to stand up for Louisiana here for a second. Last week, bad week for sure. The the odds were stacked against them in that they haven't been home in a while. Can't practice in New Orleans. And I think once they're able to get back, should be soon. There was like a fire yesterday or the day before that might set that back even further. Who knows? Um, but I think once they're back in New Orleans and uh, uh, situated, I think things look a bit more bright for the Saints. And I do think that this coaching battle this week is going to be really exciting to watch. I think Belichick versus Sean Payton, two of the best coaches in the league, the way Sean Payton was able to control the clock and the playbook against Green Bay was one of the best things I've ever seen. That half lasted, the first half lasted what seemed like 20 minutes just because the Saints had the ball the entire time. So if they're able to do uh, sort of a similar approach against New England, hold the ball for a really long time and keep and uh, keep New England to a low score, I think they could edge it out. But I don't disagree with anything you're saying as far as like New England's defense goes. They're great. And if Kamara doesn't get going, I think the Saints will have a tough time. I just think the likelihood that he maybe gets it going could happen. It would be tough for him to take out two weeks in a row. All right, the last game my five fly my five fly is the Miami Dolphins versus the Las Vegas Raiders. And I really did not want to take this game at first, but the Raiders are favored by 4 points at minus 4 at minus 110 odds. And I I, I don't believe in the Raiders yet, but god, the Dolphins are a mess. We know Tua's out. They got Jacoby Brissett in. He's a backup, and I don't have much faith against him right now. The Raiders' defense has looked a lot better than anybody thought it would look, and the 
Dolphins offensive line, who not many people, I won't say no one, but not many people thought would be good, looked significantly worse than advertised. And the Raiders' pass rush looked significantly better than advertised. So with a poor offensive line, no run game, and the Raiders on offensive fire as of late, Four points, they take the spread, and they win this game. Miami is going to struggle, especially with Jacoby Brissett in there and having never been able to discover a run game like the last half decade. Definitely agree with that one. Derek Carr is looking elite out here, which I didn't think uh, I would be saying at the beginning of the season. Ruggs has looked great. Waller, of course. And then that you're right about that pass rush. They look amazing, especially week one. They were giving the Ravens fits. That is definitely true. That is definitely true. Uh, the last thing I'm really interested in talking about here is just like a little extra one here. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers play the Los Angeles Rams. I was hoping is- you would uh, you would bring this one up. This one's okay. fun. The spread is one point either way. I refuse to put my money on this game. I would. I will, however, put my money on the over on 55 and a half. Like at 110, minus 110 odds. Like, oh, um, my soul tells me the Rams can actually somehow sneak this game. And yeah, I we, think that's the only thing worth betting on as far as like spread or money line goes. Like Rams money line is really the only thing I would consider. Cause like the odds on it are good. It's plus one oh four. Um so what is the point of taking the spread in a game where the spread is one point five? Like that yeah. just take the money line. I, I when I saw that I was like, what is the ever living point of this? And I wanted to send this to some, somebody, but like, can you explain why anybody would think it would be a good idea? Uh, and, and like, I'm very interested. I this is the game of the week to me for sure. Tampa Bay versus the Rams, definitely the game of the week to me. Uh, one of those teams will no longer be undefeated leaving this week. And with Tampa Bay 17 and 0 proclamation, it is quickly, quickly looking in jeopardy and that was my five fly weeks brought to you by my bookie as always let me know if you take any of these and how they do for you damn 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 son where'd you find this all right let's talk about the current state of the nfl a lot of teams are two and oh a lot of teams are oh and two but all wins are not created equal I got Raiders fans in my comments from videos from like four months ago talking about how they have 800 yards over two games, how they're 2-0 and and the Raiders are back and how my pessimism was very, very, very wrong. And I'm interested because fans sometimes act like their team is reborn too early in the season and fans sometimes act like the sky is falling too early in the season and right now the rams cardinals panthers broncos and raiders are all two and oh if i told you three of those teams did not make the playoffs you would not be surprised so i want to talk about the two and oh teams and the oh and two teams and which two and oh team that i think is most likely to disappoint and miss out on the playoffs and which oh and two team that i think has the best chance of submarining the league and being able to crawl their way into the playoffs. So I want to start with 2-0 and o teams. Sam, is there a 2-0 team right now that has you thinking, this is fool's gold? So I do like this team, but I, I will say Denver. Um, I think that they have the potential to be good, but they haven't played anyone remotely good yet. They have wins against the Giants and Jaguars, um, which doesn't tell me much. I like Teddy Bridgewater. He's missing Jerry Judy right now, which hurts. But they have weapons. They got Sutton, Tim Patrick, Noah Fant, KJ Hamler. And they're playing the Jets this week, which they probably should win. But again, I won't know much because of that win. They have a hard schedule starting in week four. They got the Ravens, Steelers, Raiders and Washington football team and Cowboys five in a row. Um, I think they're going to lose most of those games. So that's why they can leave eight, three and five. They they could maybe four and four and four, but like I think it's going to be a rough stretch. 
Okay, okay. I like the Denver Broncos. They were pretty high up on my list. But for me, I think it's the Carolina Panthers. And I like the Denver Broncos, but I believe that defense would travel. And the part of that team that is, I would say, maybe less spe- more speculative is the offense. But I feel like their defense will travel well throughout the season. The Carolina Panthers on the other end, for me, very similar, very similar to the Denver Broncos. It's like, well, who did you beat? Well, we beat the Jets, right? And then we beat the Saints. And maybe people will say the Saints win counts a little bit more. But I am of the mind that this Carolina Panthers team is just a little too young to get it done just yet. And while they're doing really well early, their back end of their schedule is really tough. So we're talking about the last 10 weeks. Five out of those 10 weeks, they play the Bucks twice. And then they play the Bills, Dolphins, Cardinals, and Patriots, and Washington football team in their last 10. Like, they play the Bucks twice in their last three games. I was really high on the Carolina Panthers when we were talking like, oh, betting the futures for the season. Because they were, I think, at like six and a half games. And I was like, oh, the Panthers will definitely win seven or eight games this season. But this Panthers team is not a playoff team to me just yet, even though the NFC South is pretty terrible. Now, on the flip side, 0-2 teams. Which 0-2 team should not be panicked right now? I would say Minnesota. I think they are going to lose this week, so they're going to be 0-3, which will probably cause more panic. Um, but they have a lot of – so many offensive weapons. They lost two close games. Week one, lost to the Bengals was really bad. The defense is really bad, and they spent all offseason replacing – guys defensive position through the draft and free agency so you would think that that would be better going into the season but so far it has not been i just think that the offense is so good that they'll always keep them in the game they have kirk cousins throwing more than i would like because they're always coming back from behind but yeah i think that they'll end up with a decent record like maybe not make the playoffs but i could see minnesota winning like seven to eight the NFC is super interesting to me because uh, I also picked Minnesota. And that's just because of how bad the NFC kind of is. So the NFC West is really good. Like three teams that are just like ridiculous. The Cardinals, the Seattle Seahawks, and the, oh, four teams, dude. Jesus Christ. Yeah, all four of them are just nuts. So uh, Seattle Seahawks, Rams, 49ers. And, but outside of that division, it's actually kind of weak. Right. NFC North has the Packers, who we think should be pretty good, but absent there, there's a lot of who knows what. NFC South has the Bucks and then trash. Right. The Panthers aren't trash, but everybody else is. And then we get to like the NFC East. It's like, it's the NFC East or the NFC Least. The NFC is bad, man. The NFC is bad. And then like a team that does not have a winning record will probably get out of the NFC for the second straight year. And that's why I also have my faith on the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. The NFC is, yeah. If there's someone that could get out of there with a losing record, I think Minnesota could be one of those teams. Unless, unless the NFC West clears all four teams into the playoffs from the West, I, 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 I think a team with a losing record might get into the playoffs again. Unless the Eagles are like way better than projected or a team like that. Or like the Washington football team or like Dallas. One of them could have a record that's up there and possibly get in second. But it, it 17 games, a lot left to be played. The Colts were my honorable mention, but Carson Wentz has zero ankles. Uh, so I don't. <laughs> like, and that was my exact reasoning. I was like, how do you sprain both ankles? I have to just throw them up there because the defense is good. But like, yeah, two sprained ankles on the same play. Like that is insane. So that, that kind of eliminated them pretty hard for me. Uh, puts them out of the contention pretty fast. But those are the teams that I really think. And that's a really big one for Minnesota that we both think they're going to go 0-3 and still have the best chance of the no-win teams to actually make something happen. It's, 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 It's a playboy affair. All right. Welcome to the final segment of the show, the heart of the show. 
Baller's bouquets. Too often in the media, people only want to focus on the negative and salacious things athletes do, but never want to give them their credit where credit is due. But here, we like to make a change. And this week's Baller's bouquet goes out to Chicago Bear defensive lineman Akeem Hicks, who gave over a hundred pair of gym shoes to foster children on the south side of Chicago this week. All right, so this is nothing new for Akeem Hicks. He's actually frequently partnered with United Health in Chicago since back in 2017 to give shoes yearly to just children in need. This year, he gave over 100 pairs of gym shoes to children that were foster children as well as adults, caretakers, et cetera, in that area that give back. And he talks about how these visits are a key way for him to kind of give back and return a lot of the kindness he received when he was younger and he was growing up. And ever since 2017, he's been super, super dedicated to this event. Back then, he was giving out shoes, et cetera, school supplies to the Boys and Girls Club in Chicago. And using partnerships with organizations such as Dream Builders to create funds that were able to help these families. And even during the pandemic, he met with a smaller number of these families, but still gave out the same amount or actually more shoes to these families. And he talks about how being a big member of the Chicago land area as a human being, not just a football player, is extremely important to him. He talks about how these events give him the same type of joy as having 70,000 fans in Soldier Field screaming and cheering on the team. As a big fan of Akeem Hicks, who wants to retire a Chicago Bear, another person who, like, pay the man and what's the contract situation going on here, we want to give him his flowers while he's here for the great things that he has done for his community and all of Chicago. All right, all right. That is it for episode 53 of the Fly Route Podcast. I want to thank Sam for coming through, talking with us, giving us some of your information and knowledge. Appreciate you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me, bro. I've been really excited to come on. I'm a big fan of what you're doing. It's really awesome to see you doing your thing. And I'm, I love listening to the podcast when I'm driving, when I'm working on stuff, I throw it on YouTube clips, everything. So I was really excited to come on and chop it up with you. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate you. All of our listeners out there, whether you're on Spotify, Apple music, YouTube, you're listening or you're watching. I appreciate each and every single one of you. Share the pie with a friend because each share means the world. And I can't wait to give you episode 54 next week. The fly route pie, 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 the fly route pie.